coming up on Marriage Today with Jimmy and Karen. When Karen and I got married, I was verbally abusive and dominant. And um, I didn't know my wife. I didn't know I didn't know my wife, but you know, I had so hurt her through the things that I had said that she was covered with fig leaves. I mean, literally, she, she wasn't going to tell me about the sense of areas of her life because, you know, when I got mad, I would take advantage of it. Well, and I think as a wife, you just want to feel like you're a part of your husband's world. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe, you know, she just wants you just to say, you know, hey, let me just tell you throughout the day what's going on. Just give the, you know, general yeah. things, you yeah. know, and, and just let her know you're just as much a part of my world as, you know, as anybody. One of the most important things that we understand related to marriage is there are laws. And a lot of times people are fearful of marriage because they don't understand that there are laws associated with it. Now, I'm a pilot. I'm a licensed pilot. I got my pilot's license last year. My family will not fly with me yet. I mean, let me give that disclaimer. But there are laws related to aerodynamics. And so I'm not afraid to fly as long as I'm respecting the laws because there are laws. Planes don't just fall out of the air is that you know, when you're, there's a plane that crashes or something that, that happens wrong, it just didn't happen you know, just, just by chance. It's something, something violated the laws of aerodynamics for that to happen. I say, when you don't understand the laws of marriage, it's a really scary thing. And it was for Karen and me. We got married at 19 years old. We didn't have any pre-marriage preparation before we got married, and so we didn't know. And honestly, I just thought, you're either lucky enough to marry the right person or you're unlucky and you marry the wrong person. And honestly, I loved Karen. I was very attracted to her. But I thought I married the wrong person after a few years of marriage, because, and she did too, because it just wasn't working. We didn't know. No one ever told us. We were violating every law of marriage. And so some of you watching right now, you love each other and God puts you together, but you may be frustrated. You may be discouraged. You may be fearful because you've failed before in marriages or you feel like you're failing now and you don't know what to do. I just want to give you the good news. When God creates anything, he creates it for success. And when God creates anything, he creates it upon the laws of his kingdom and the laws of his word. So when God created marriage, he said some very important words. And this is Genesis 2:24 and 25. You probably heard this before. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall be one flesh, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Now, I'd heard that scripture read, and I'd heard it at marriages and at weddings and things like that, but I never knew that those were the four foundational laws of marriage, and that everything, God created marriage, and he spoke those words, and when he spoke those words, he created a, a foundation for marriage that would ensure that every marriage could succeed. Now, listen to what I'm about to say. You have a 100% chance of success in marriage. You, you were made for marriage. God made you in your mother's womb and you were made for marriage. And some people just think, I don't know that I can succeed in marriage. You know, I'm fearful of marriage. I have a 50-50 chance. You don't have a 50-50 chance. You have a 100% chance if you do it God's way. Let me tell you the other good news. It's not complicated. If it was complicated, I couldn't do it. God doesn't use me to do this because I'm special. God uses me to do this because if I can do it, anybody can do it. It's simple. There are four foundational laws of marriage. And once we understand these laws and just apply these laws, it changes everything. And it did for Karen and me. We were on the brink of divorce. We didn't, we didn't know anything about marriage. 
But once we begin to practice the four foundational laws of marriage, first of all, it tells you what to do. Secondly, when you start having problems, it tells you we're having problems because we're violating one of these, these laws of marriage. So God created marriage to share everything. He says, they too shall become one flesh. For this cause, a man shall reprioritize his life and his parents. Now they're not going to be first any longer. And he's going to work hard to pursue his spouse. And by the way, that's addressed to men there, working hard to pursue your wife. And they too shall become one flesh. And what this means is we share everything in this marriage. And this, this is going to sound like kind of a, a, a simplistic statement. Marriage is about sharing. It doesn't matter if you have kids in common. It doesn't matter if you share the same house. It doesn't matter if you share a checkbook. Do you share life? Marriage is about sharing. And when the Bible uses the term for intimacy in marriage, it says one. Now here's what this means. Everything before you got married that you owned and administrated individually, now you do it together with no exceptions. It's our money, it's our time, it's our children, even from a blended family. And let me say this, one of the most important things in blended families is giving your spouse ownership of the children. And I'll say something else about that in just a minute. They may not be the biological parent, but they have to have full ownership. Anything that I will not give to you going into the relationship will create problems in our marriage. In fact, it creates jealousy. But here's the way that people violate the law of possession. One is dominance. Some people, and it's very common, in most marriage marriages, there's a dominant partner in most marriages. But dominance destroys the passion and intimacy of marriage. Men and women are totally equals in every way. Karen and I never discuss who the boss in our marriage is because Jesus Christ is the boss of our marriage. And we were totally equals. But when we first got married, I was dominant. You can be dominant through the force of your personality. You can be dominant through intimidation. In other words, you're going to pay a price if you cross me. You're going to pay a price if you speak your mind. Uh, you, can be, you can be dominant through manipulation. But dominance is as common for men as it is women and women as it is men. It's not a male issue or a female issue. It's a gender neutral issue. But dominance simply means I'm not going to share. It's mine. Basically, it's mine. And I'm going to control it. It's my kids, my money, my house, my schedule, whatever it is. And so, but it's always destructive. They've done studies on dominance and it's always proven where you have dominance present in a relationship and to the degree that you have dominance present, it lowers the satisfaction of the marriage because there's one spouse being dominated. They're not an equal. They're not sharing. They're, they're being controlled basically. In the year 1930, 83% of adult Americans are married. Today in America, 49% of adult Americans are married. Everybody has a legacy. But how important is it to you that for your children and in your family that they have a legacy of good marriage? What we do with our lives is going to dramatically affect the next generation. Marriage is the future. We must build marriage. And what we love to do here at Marriage Today is give people hope because marriage works. Marriage works wonderfully. God would never create anything for failure. The world was telling us to give up. People around us was telling us to give up. But marriage today was a, a light in a dark place for us at a dark time. Hearing Jimmy and Karen Evans just talking about how God could restore any marriage, it started to bring hope back into me. They changed our life, and they changed our future. We love helping people in marriage, but we have to have support to do that. In everything that we do, we know that we're touching millions of lives every year and millions of families. 
would you stand with us as we build marriages in America and around the world? The families that we help and the children that we keep together with our parents are because of you. Please consider giving your most generous gift to help us here at Marriage Day lift the standard around the world for marriage and family. Another problem with the law of possession is independence, is that I'm just going to do my own thing. I counseled a couple one time, and she said, well, he goes to that side of the house, and I go to this side of the house. And she said, I sit over here all night, and he sits over there all night in his office gambling. And she said, that's our marriage right there in a nutshell. And she had done everything she could to try to reach out to him. And, uh, and I told him, I just said, you know, marriage is about sharing. And he, he was independent. And marriage is brutal on selfish people. Marriage is not about independence. Marriage is about interdependence. If you want to be independent, stay single. But even if you're single, you're not independent. You need God. We're dependent upon God. Independence and selfishness destroys a marriage. Interdependence. I need you. I didn't get married so I could live alone on that side of the house. I got married so I could share my life with someone. Another problem with, uh, with the law of possession is protection. And let me go back to the blended family issue just a minute. I've counseled a lot of blended families where they get together and the, there's children from a previous marriage. Maybe they didn't want the marriage. Maybe they don't trust the spouse or whatever. I counsel one couple in particular. He had no authority over the kids. And it's typically better, especially when the family is new, when the marriage is new, if the biological parent does the discipline. That's typically better. It just makes sense that if, you know, they're my biological children, I'll do the discipline. But the non-biological parent has to have full authority to discipline if necessary and to protect themselves. And some people say, listen, you know, they've been through a hard time and I just don't want to do that. In fact, one is one woman said to me, I don't trust him with the kids. And I said, in other words, you trusted him with your life to marry him, but you don't trust him with your children. And what happened was he was in the home and he was a fair target. These kids, these kids were coming after him every day with actions and words that was ruining the quality of his life. And he said, I can't take it anymore. And I turned to her and I said, listen, he's got to have uh, ownership of your children. And she said, I won't. I won't. There are no exceptions to this. And this is, a, this is an interesting scripture. This is 1 Corinthians 7. It says, let the husband render to his wife the affection due her and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. This is so profound that the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 is saying, when you get married, you actually give authority sexually of your body over to your spouse. This is not a license for abuse. This is just a license for use. And what this ensures is the fact that I'm not going to use my body against you or as a weapon or as a bargaining chip. This is not my body. This is your body to take care of your needs. And that is the spirit of marriage the way God designed it. They too shall become one flesh and protection. I'm I'm not going to protect the kids from you. I'm not going to protect the money from you. We're partners. We're going to make all of our decisions together. You establish the law of possession in your marriage by asking your spouse's input on every decision and never making a decision without your spouse and never making your spouse pay a price for telling you the truth. The spirit of a good marriage is we're partners here. We may be different. We may have different money languages. We may have different 
needs. We may have different perspectives, but that just makes us better. That just makes us stronger. I'm not going to make a decision without your input. And our relationship is more important than the issues. We share everything. It's the word my destroys marriages. It's our, it's our children. It's our schedule. It's our home. It's our money. Prenuptial agreements are a death sentence to a relationship. A prenuptial agreement basically just says, I'm not going to give you this. This is, I don't trust you with this. And if we divorce, I don't want to lose the aquarium in my Volkswagen. <laughs> and the aquarium and the Volkswagen then become this despised object in the home that your spouse knows. They love that more than they love me. You say, well, what if we get a divorce? It's going to hurt really bad and you're going to lose a lot. So you better work at your marriage. Listen, is it any surprise that things end badly when you've planned the end from the beginning? When you get married, we say these words, till death do us part. We're going to work hard at our relationship and we're going to learn about marriage because this is till death do us part. We're going to be happy or we're going to be two old, miserable people. But we're not getting out of this thing. We're going to stay committed to it. There's one of the law of marriage, just the law of purity. It says the man and his wife were both naked and unashamed. This is before the fall. This is before sin entered the Garden of Eden. Isn't it wonderful that God, by the way, the word Eden means pleasure and delight. God, God created marriage in a place that means pleasure and delight. And he, he created Adam and Eve naked. Isn't that phenomenal? Isn't that just great? They were naked. I mean, <laughs> you think about how God created marriage. It was great. And, uh, and so they were naked until the fall. And you remember after the fall, the first thing that happened is they put on fig leaves and they began to hide from each other. Now listen, they put the fig leaves on their genitals, which are the areas where you're different and you're most sensitive. Those are the most sensitive areas of your body. Well, what's the point? When you're living your marriage in purity, you can expose your differences and you can talk about all the sensitive areas of your marriage without a problem. But when you have sin in your marriage and you're sinning against each other, you cannot trust each other and you have to hide your differences and your sensitivities. When Karen and I got married, I was verbally abusive and dominant. And um, I didn't know my wife. I didn't know I didn't know my wife, but you know, I had so hurt her through the things that I had said that she was covered with fig leaves. I mean, literally, she, she wasn't going to tell me about the sensitive areas of her life because you know, when I got mad, I would take advantage of it. And I was just insensitive. When I repented in living in purity, the law of purity just simply means this. I have to be careful about what I do because everything I do affects you. And when I, make, when I make a mistake, I have to take responsibility for it. Those are two things I didn't do. I wasn't careful and I'd never said I was sorry. And I didn't know my wife. I, we, we didn't have intimacy. We had sex. She was good about meeting my sexual needs, but we didn't have any intima, intimacy in sex because we didn't know each other. We didn't talk on any deep level. I went to Karen and I asked her for her forgiveness when I hung my golf clubs up and when the Lord began to change my heart. Um, I asked for her forgiveness and she forgave me. And she said, Jimmy, you really wounded me with your mouth. And I said, I understand that, Karen. I said, I'm sorry and I ask you to for, forgive me. And so the fig leaf started coming off her. And she began, it didn't happen overnight, but you know, after several weeks and several months, I noticed that she began to tell me things that I didn't know. And one day she was talking to me and she told me something. And I said, well, how long has that been going on? She said, well, years. And I said, well, why didn't you tell me that before? And she said, I couldn't trust you. 
But today, the sister's naked. And... Uh, <laughs> Life is good. <laughs> Life is real good. But, you know, you can live in the same house, but I'm not, if you got a mouth on you, if, if you hurt my feelings and you're disrespectful to me and you're sarcastic and you're critical and you won't take responsibility for it, you think my heart is a holy of holies and it's a sensitive place in all of us. We're, all of us are more sensitive than we would want to admit. I cannot trust my heart of hearts to somebody who won't take responsibility for their behavior. When you're careful in the way that you treat each other and when you take responsibility for your mistakes, the fig leaves come off. And when it says the man and his wife were both naked and unashamed, it meant mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically, they could talk about anything without shame. No shame. I'm not, I'm not afraid in any way that you will reproach me because I trust you. You're my safe place. You're my safe place. So your spouse, we should be each other's safe place. Or I will be careful, and if I do something wrong, I'll take responsibility for it. But remember, blame transfer was the original sin of marriage. God came to Adam and said, Adam, what is this that you've done? He said, it's her fault. <laughs> Eve, what is this that you've done? Devil made me do it. I honestly believe if they would have taken responsibility for their issues, that God would have had a different response to them. I really do. You know, this, this program is on the four foundational laws of marriage. We're talking about the two laws, the one of possession and one of purity. These are laws from Genesis chapter 2. When God created marriage, this is what he spoke over the marriage relationship that created the universal laws of marriage. And, and Karen, what that means is no one's the exception. Mm -hmm. You follow these laws, marriage is wonderful. You break these laws, it'll break you. And we broke all four. Mm -hmm. uh, when right. we first got married, we, we were doing everything wrong. Thank God mm -hmm. that we found this truth out and it transformed our marriage. I agree. So we, we have some questions for some viewers, Karen. The first person asks, my husband doesn't include me in his business decisions. I feel like he's trying to keep this separate. Aren't we supposed to share everything? Well, let me, let me qualify this. And I would say absolutely you're supposed to share everything. Now, I've, I've helped a lot of people over the years. Mm -hmm. And uh, one guy had a $3 billion business that he ran. And his wife said, I would like for you to... Uh, include me on everything. Well, it's just, it's an impossibility. She, she would have to sit at the office all day, every day and do that. Um, I don't agree with that. Now, in this same situation, uh, she said, my husband just bought a, like a 5,000 acre <laughs> ranch that I didn't know about. That's not right. Mm -hmm. Is I believe that, you know, if, it, if it's a mom and pop business, if it's a smaller business, of course, you know, you talk about everything, you pray about everything, whatever. But, you know, sometimes businesses are a certain size, and this is true of you and me, Karen, is that we, we uh, communicate about everything, but the ministry is very large. Mm -hmm. And you can't know about everything, and you can't agree with everything. So it's the, the, I really don't want to. Well, I know. That's right. Well, but it could be that this is a smaller family business, yeah. and she wants to be included. Absolutely. But, but it needs to be practical. And so in our case... We agree on everything in our family, everything in our marriage, and everything that is the essence of our ministry together. 
But then you give me the freedom to act mm -hmm. beyond that. I have to. Well, and I think as a wife, you just want to feel like you're a part of your husband's world. Yeah, and maybe, you know, she just wants you just to say, you know, hey, let me just tell you about the day, what's going on. Just give the, you know, general yeah. things, you know, yeah. and, and just let her know you're just as much a part of my world as, you know, as anybody. Yeah. And, and so let's say that it is a larger business. Talk and share and, and, you know, communication between a husband and wife the way we do. It makes you feel included in my world, mm -hmm. even if you're not there making the decisions. Mm -hmm. But I'm certainly not making decisions that violate you. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. And uh, so I think we have another question here. Okay. Do you agree that affairs of the heart are equal to sexual affairs? What is the n next step for me after my husband's confession of emotional infidelity? Well, yes, absolutely. You know, Jesus said that if you have intent in your heart, it's the same. So it's, it's devastating. And that's, that's what I would say. Mm -hmm. And you can recover from an affair. But one of the things that's necessary is honesty. Mm -hmm. And you're saying, my husband, you know, I found out about his emotional affair with somebody else. Your husband's spirit is what's important. You know, it, people sin and, and that's fine. But if he's broken, if he's honest, mm -hmm. if he's willing to do anything, if he's taking all the responsibility, that, that can be healed. And, and it's great. If he's defensive, if, if he's dishonest, if he's blaming you, that's not a good sign. Mm -hmm. And so I would say, yes, it's very serious. It's devastating to the spirit of the relationship, but you can, you can heal from that as long, as long as he's willing to get help. And I would say in that regard, go get help. Mm -hmm. Uh, probably in, in your state right now where you just found this out and, and probably you need someone to help you walk through this. But in our ministry here, this is a common thing that we help people with. You can heal from this. Mm -hmm. You really can. And it's, you know, just the tone I'm picking up in this, it kind of sounds like there's hope, um, you know, because there's revelation now of what's been going on before it became a physical affair. But, uh. Well, and forgiveness is everything. I mean, absolutely. you know, whether he changes or not, she needs to forgive because without the, that forgiveness, she's still tied to that situation. Yeah. And once, you know, she may be needing counseling by herself just yeah. to have someone talk to and just to be able to vent and just come through a situation of being able to forgive, mm -hmm. you know, and letting it go and then build on the marriage or build the trust back from that. Exactly right, Karen. And, you know, the one of the things that hurts the most is just knowing that there's been a dishonesty and oh, a disconnection yeah. mm -hmm. there. So the reconnection and the, the full honesty in that situation is critical to the result. You know, we, we love coming to you, and we also love going around the world and helping people in their marriage and family relationships. You know, marriage is under attack in our society, but we know that marriage can work, and we know that it can work for anybody. And what I love to say to people in our conferences and on television is you have a 100% chance of success in marriage. When you do it God's way, you don't have a 50% chance. Your marriage isn't going to fail. God did not make marriage to fail. He made marriage to bless us and for us to thrive in a marriage relationship, but we have to know how. And so here at Marriage Today, we have our television program. We have events, conferences. We have over a 100 resources that we have created to help people in their marriage and family relationships and also in pre-marriage uh, and helping them in many different aspects of their relationship. Uh, we love helping people in marriage, but we have to have support to do that. And we thank all of you who are faithful supporters of us here at Marriage Day. We can only do what we're doing because of you. But if you haven't supported us, or even if you have, I'm asking you to consider giving your most generous gift to help us here, to help us go around the world, to keep little children together with their parents. Mm -hmm. 
and help people thrive in a biblically-based marriage. The information is there on your screen. Thank you so much for standing with us. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this has been a blessing to you. We'll see you next time right here at Marriage Today. God bless you. Goodbye.